Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Pastor Rick Warren uh, tells the story of their church plant there at Saddleback and how in the early years they moved from tent to tent and, and, and mobile place to mobile place or school to school. Their first Easter in the, in, in the new facility that they built, they finally bought some property and built some facilities. And Their first Easter in the new facility that they had built, <clears throat> he invited Pat Boone to come and sing. Some of you, if you're under 30, you won't know who Pat Boone is, but the rest of you just bear, bear with me on the story. Uh, Pat Boone was a big crooner in the, back in the 50s. And uh, <clears throat> so he invites Pat Boone to sing. And, and, you know, he assumed Pat would pick something appropriate for Easter. But Pat gets up and he said, he said, and I love Pat, and we've talked about this since that time. We're, we're, we're good. But he said, Pat gets up and sings this song about death. And he said, it was kind of uh, in a minor key. It was, everybody dies. Rich men die, poor men die, everybody dies. And he said, there was just no getting the service back up after that. He said, it was just, boom, it was just, you know, everybody was, had this look on their face, like, okay, we're all going to die. And it was Easter Sunday morning. I mean, he, you know, Jesus had risen from the tomb. We, we're, we're, we're supposed to be talking about life. And, and he said, you know, I kind of looked over at Pat. He, he, he puts the mic back in the stand, and goes, goes over and sits down. <laughs> I kind of look at him like, what am I going to do now? I mean, you know, you've totally, we've got a total downer here, and, and I've got to try and get everybody back up. Well, I hope today isn't a downer, because um, what you're going to see at the end of the story is, is that death is really more of a vehicle for a believer than anything else. And here's, here's what I want us to see right out, of the, right out of the chute. You can't look at death collectively, or we shouldn't look at death collectively. Many, oftentimes we do. What I mean by that is this. We have to, you have to look at death categorically. You can't look at it collectively. You can't look at it that, that, that death applies to everybody. Yes, it does, but not in the same way. And so today, I think what we're going to see, and we're going to be all over the place in Scripture. I'm going to take you several places, so you're going to feel like this is a Bible drill probably. But um, what you're going to see today in Scripture is, is this picture of the futility of death for the person who doesn't know Christ, but this pathway of death for the person who does. Now, Turn to, to James chapter 2, and, and we'll get started here in this first, in this first aspect. We're going to look at death for the unbeliever and then death through the lens of a believer. For the unbeliever, what first, the first thing I want to, to, to share with you, and I'll share with you in this week's e-news, the unbeliever dies three deaths. Now, you, you think of that on the surface, how can somebody die three times? We're going to see that unfold here in these verses. A believer will die once physically. And an unbeliever will die three times. This is why I hope today your, your takeaway is if, if, if death is something you fear, if it's something that makes you anxious, if it's something that, that you worry about or you're concerned about, either for yourself or a loved one or a spouse or whatever, I hope today your, your takeaway is this. Not only will you see death more if you know Jesus, will you see this more as a, as a pathway, but when you see how death applies to an unbeliever, if you have family members who, are not, who don't know Jesus or friends or people you work with who don't know Jesus, there's a stark picture painted for them by death. And it's real and it's true. 
Uh, it's from God's Word. So I, I want us to see that today. Anyway, uh, James chapter 2. Um, death for the unbeliever is, first of all, physical. It's a physical death. Look at, look at what he says here in verse 26 of chapter 2 of James. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. In essence, he's saying you take the spirit out of the body and you take the life out of it. The life, the spirit is the life-giving source to the body. We think it's blood. We think it's all these, and, and the heart pumps. And yes, it is. There's, there's physical things going on. But what he's saying in this verse just as the spirit without the body is dead, so faith without works is dead. In other words, you take the spirit out of the body and you remove the life-giving source. That each of us are physical and spiritual. And spiritual is the source of the life. Physical is just the shell. It's just, we'll look at, look at Paul's reference to it as a tent a little bit later. But our physical bodies are just the shell that we walk around in. The spirit is the part that gives us life. And that being true, our, our physical bodies are temporary dwellings. Turn to Second uh, Corinthians if you, if you want to follow along. I'm, I'm going to, as I say, have you all over the place. I've, if, you, if, you, if it's too quick for you, then just believe what I say it says. Second <laughs> um, Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 say this. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we're burdened because we do do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So Paul's describing in himself this temporary nature of our body, our physical body being a tent, being something that's mold, being something that was designed from the get-go in the womb, not to last forever. Now, it was designed in the garden to last forever. We'll look at that in just a minute how God designed and created, our, created Adam and Eve both spiritually and physically to live forever. Then sin entered the picture. And the spirit starts to live on and the body starts to die at that point. But he's saying here that our bodies were never designed physically to last forever. And we, were, we are, I mean, it seems like a new gym, a new workout facility is popping up all over the place in, in, in about every, on about every corner neighborhood. And especially the first of the year, it amazes me how all the ads... Before Christmas are for turkey and for and for and, you know and for food and and for all this celebration and and Corbell and you know all the, all the ads before Christmas and then in January all the ads go to weight loss and and fitness centers and and here's a here's a great deal on the new fitness center that's opening up half price and all this but here's the reality you can have your body in as great a shape as you want to have it in it's going to die it's going to decay that's the reality of what he's saying here in in these verses um, everybody. Everybody, every body will die this death, will die this physical death, the saved and the unsaved. Everybody will die this physical death. The second one, though, the spiritual death for the unbeliever is, is, only the one that, is one of the only ones that the unbeliever will experience on their own. And the spiritual death, he, you've, you're, I'm sure, probably familiar with the scripture. <clears throat> in Romans 6.23, many of you probably have it marked in your Bible, but it says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Spiritual death, in essence, is the wages. It's the consequence. It's the cost to sin, to sin entering the world through Adam and then volitionally every one of us down the generations as time has gone. Um, So every unbeliever is dying a spiritual death without Christ eternally. When their body is separated from the spirit, the body begins to decay. but, But for the unbeliever, the spirit begins to die. And it will never die. It will never expire, but it will, it will begin to die. 
The spirit, when it's separated from the, from the life of a believer, continues to live on as well. But it's at, live as it was designed to eternally and not die eternally. Um, a lost person's destination and destiny is settled at death. It's, and, it's, and there's no return from it. Um, it's also true that a believer's destiny and destination are settled when they pray to receive Christ. Their destiny changes, their destination changes. Apart from Christ, the destiny is settled at death and the destination is settled at death. So this spiritual death that he's speaking of here, um, about the wages of sin being death, is, is where every unbeliever is destined to go. Um, believers, though, will not die a spiritual death. Believers, and we'll see that just in a moment, believers, their spirit will live on beyond them, beyond their life. Their physical body will die, but their spirit takes over the life-giving part, as, as we said earlier, that gave life to the body itself, will continue to live in a, in a eventually glorified body and glorified state. Today, uh, you and I are in bodies that are decaying, and it seems like, you know, how can we reverse the trend? Well, you can't reverse the trend physically, but you can spiritually. You can outlive yourself spiritually in the sense that your spiritual destiny and destination are settled at salvation, as I said, but your spiritual legacy lives on behind you and beyond you to generations beyond you that are left here. Thirdly, not only will unbelievers die a physical death and a spiritual death, turn to Revelation chapter 20, and we'll see in, in, the, in the 20th chapter of Revelation that the unsaved, the unbeliever, also will die the second death. Um, and this is a pretty. This is the most stark of the three, at least insofar as um, how it comes across. Verses thirteen to fifteen of Romans chapter twenty say this: The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades or hell gave up the dead that were in them, and everyone was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades or hell were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. All whose names were not found written in the book of life were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, he's saying in these verses, is death's final resting place. Those who have died without Christ, he says, will be thrown, cast into the lake of fire. That the spirit, scripture says, we'll look at that in just a second, that burns forever and ever. In other words, it never dies. The spirit, spirit of the, the, the lake of fire, the, the fire itself, goes up. Its, its smoke goes up forever and ever. Um, that's a... I don't know how stark that picture comes to you, but um, if you have unbelieving, unsaved friends or family members, this picture should stir something in you. This picture of the consequence of, of the wages of sin, this picture of the second death that every lost person will experience being cast into the lake of fire is, is a stark, stark thing. It's, it's, it's a stark reality. And, and in essence, they are dying but never expiring. Dying, praying for death. <laughs> Praying for the end to this, but it never coming. So they continue to die in this lake of fire. Um, and I, let me, let me show, well, here's what Jesus says about this in Matthew 13. This is how it will be at the end of the age, he says. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where, look at how he describes this, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, anguish, torment, um, what I want you to get today, and this, this, this kind of sounds mythical almost. I mean, it sounds like something you would see, you know, advertising some movie in a world where only fire and, you know, that would come on your TV. And so you think that can't be real. I mean, that's, that's Hollywood stuff, isn't it? 
No. Here's what I want you to hear today. This is a real pit with real fire and real people that will be really for eternity. And it'll last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and never stop. If you have lost friends and lost family members, or if you're here today, if you're here today without Jesus, I don't often say this or, or do this because I'm, I'm just so against it. But here's, here's what I want you to I want. I hope this scares you to Jesus today. I hope if you're here and, and, and you don't know him personally, I hope the reality and the truth of what this looks like says, says to you maybe perhaps for the first time, whoa. The consequences, I mean, I, I thought, I'll get saved one of these days. I'll trust Jesus one of these days. The consequences of dying without him are severe. They're eternal. They're eternal. Praying for death, yet death never coming. Weeping and gnashing of teeth and anguish and torment and saying, will this ever stop? And it never, ever will. That's the picture that's painted here in these verses. Uh, The physical death, the spiritual death, and the second death are all three deaths that unbelievers will face. Believers only face the physical. Well, let's look at how death applies to the believer. Um, Death, first of all, for the believer has lost its power. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. And we find a a description here of, of, um, of the Lord and of Satan. And how it relates to death. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 to 15. Since the children have flesh and blood. He too shared in their humanity. So that by his death. He might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery. By their fear of death. In essence he's saying Jesus became flesh. He became human. And he died a fleshly human physical death. At his physical death, the scripture says he went into, in fact, um, um, he, Matthew 13, uh, 45, 40, sorry, 49 and 50, says this is how it will be at the end of the ages. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into this blazing furnace. Um, he's saying there that, that, that this, this death is going to be personal, it's going to be permanent, but it's also going to, to, to I'm taking over the power of it in essence is what he's saying. I'm taking the keys of the power of death from Satan and taking them on myself. Um, Kevin James, who who played in the sitcom, um, what was the, I can't remember, Dougie Dougie and and King of Queens. He does stand-up comedy, and he tells a story about um, coming out from a movie and getting getting in the locked car, and he goes and gets in the car, and he closes the door, and it's got power locks, and and about the time he's trying to unlock the door, you know, his wife is pulling up on the, on the door handle. On the, and it's, it's happened simultaneously every time. And, and he said, you know, she won't stop and just let me click. click. She won't wait to hear the click of the, of the doors clicking. She just, you know, she keeps trying. What about now? 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 And, he, you know, he finally looks at her, stop. You know, let me. And so it, it, the, the, the picture of that is this. You don't have the power to get in. I've got the power to let you in. And, and that's the whole, the, the whole gist of his story. And that's the picture here that, that the Lord's painting. I went into hell at death. And the scripture says that, 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 that that's true. In fact, Revelation 1.18 says that he descended into the lower parts of the earth at his death. To do what? To take the power of death and hell and the keys from Satan here. And says, he says, in fact, let's read that verse. Um, I, I think it's a great verse to illustrate um, not only the power of Satan, but the power of God over him. Um, Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. It says, 
I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and hell. I hold the keys. In essence, I went into to hell at my physical death before my resurrection, before, before the resurrected body, went physically into hell to take the power of death and the keys of death away from the one who had it before. And to say, no longer do you have the, the keys to the power of death. I'm taking those over from you. Well, that's the picture he paints here to say, death for you, if you know him, has lost its power. Power before Jesus went into, the, went into, into hell at his death to take the keys and the power and the authority away from Satan. The power was Satan's up to that point. And so he says, I'm taking the power away so that my sacrifice on the cross, my death, burial, and resurrection for you gives me not only the power, but if you know me, you the power too over death. So in essence, he's saying, you have, if you know me, power over death. Death is no longer a threat to you, only by, by, by way of your relationship with me, because I hold the keys. If you know the one who, who holds the keys, you know the one who holds the power. Now, with, with keyless entry on the locks, it's the one who has the key fob now instead of the keys. But if you know the one who holds the fob, you know the one who holds the power. That's the person who has the power. And if, if, if we are connected, if we're in the vine, if we're grafted into that vine, you and I as well have the same power over death. Death is no threat to the life of the believer. So, first of all, for the believer, death has lost its power. Secondly, and this is, this is really significant, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, and, and these are these these last couple of things we're going to look at in, in First Corinthians are um, both in chapter fifteen are are really good underlineable stuff here. Um, the first couple of verses we're going to look at are forty two to forty four. For the believer, here's what I want us to see from these verses: death is a pathway and not a destination. These verses describe that death is a pathway and not a destination. Verse forty two of Hebrews, I'm sorry, of First Corinthians fifteen. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Do you see this pattern that he's putting? It is sown this. It is raised this. It is sown this. In essence, he's saying death is a pathway. It's a passage from this to this. It's not the end. It's a transformation. It's a process. It's a pathway. It's a portal going from here to here. Your life is sown in, in, in immortality. It's raised in, or sown in mortality. It's raised in immortality. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power, he's saying. That death is a pathway to these things. Without death, we never see and realize the eternal state that we were de- designed for. It's a pathway or a portal, in essence. Three things, if you want to jot these down. If you don't, great. Just remember, your memory is probably better than mine. Death is a pathway or a portal to eternal life in a new body designed to last forever. In a new body designed to last forever. First John chapter 3.14 says this. We know that we have, here's this word again, passed from death to life. It's a passage because we love each other. Everyone who loves does not remain in death. We know we've passed from death to life. That it, It's become a transition, not an event, not the end. It's become a transition, a pathway, a portal to something we were designed for, and that is to last, live, and last forever. Um, Secondly, death is a pathway and portal to understanding like we've never known. Here's what I want you to get. You and I today have infinite, if if you know Christ, have an infinite spirit living in you 
but in a finite world with finite consequences. Now, those two things on the surface should tell you they don't fit together. An infinite spirit, an infinite mind, an infinite heart living in a finite world with finite circumstances and finite consequences shouldn't mesh together. What that ought to tell you is this. You're not supposed to fit here. Your mindset and your belief system and your philosophy is not supposed to work here. This is not what you were designed for. Now, if you don't know Christ, this is as good as it gets. But if you know him and your relationship with him, you are transitioned from a finite mind and a finite spirit and a finite concept into something that's infinite, understanding that my spirit will live forever with him. It will never die. So if I, if I see an infinite spirit and an infinite mind and an infinite heart in a finite world and, a, and, and, and the frustration that I live with in understanding that, you think, is, is, everybody, is every believer going through this? And the answer is that's yes. Every believer faces the struggle of, I am infinite, yet I'm, I'm confined to, to the finite. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is, is that, as I say, this struggle between flesh and spirit is going on. And it's going to go on until you and I die. And that pathway, that portal to the infinite has taken its place. And the body dies away. This finite body dies away. Yet the spirit lives forever. So it's a pathway and a portal into, into something destined and designed to last forever. It's a pathway and a portal into understanding like we've never known. And thirdly, it's the greatest part. It's a pathway and a portal into the very presence of God pathway into portal into the very presence of God. You and I, I don't know where, where your mind takes you as, you as you think on the most intimate times you've ever had with God, the closest you've ever been with him. I don't know if that takes you to, to a retreat, to a revival service, to, a, to an event. I don't know where, 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 that mind, where that takes you. But at that, at, that, at that moment or in those moments or at that time, at its best, when you were, when you were but however you want to phrase it, spiritually on fire, or your, your, your walk with him was more intimate than it had ever been before. Wherever that takes you to that place, and maybe it's today, hopefully, but wherever that takes you, I'm going to tell you, that is, that is this much of him. And you think, wow, I, I was really, I was sensing him. I was close to him. No, I, we thought we were in this finite world with its limitations and its confinements. Yes, we, we were, we thought we were, but there is, there is a difference in, in, in praying to him, in believing in him, in trusting him, in hoping in him, and seeing him. There's a huge difference in those things. There's a huge difference in being in his presence. Um, our, our community group is, is walking through the book of Revelation together. And, and John keeps telling this story over and over that he's, uh, of his vision that he shares, this revelation that God's given him. And, 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 and at every turn, at every chapter, at every event, at every new thing, you can just see the wow in him. And he walked with this guy for three and a half years. But he's in the presence now. He was in the physical presence with the physical limitations of a finite body in a finite world of this Jesus. Yet, he sees him now glorified and perfected and holy and godly. And he's blown away by it. Why? Because he's in the presence of holiness. You and I on our best, most spiritual day can get a, can get a very finite, limited view and glimpse of the power of God. Though as we're standing in his presence, and death is the portal to that. It's the pathway to that. As we're standing in his presence, we realize a God like we've never known before. That ought to cause you not to long for death, but not to let it intimidate. Not to desire it next week, but to never let it scare us, to never let it cause us to live in anxiety, never let it cause us to live in fear. Um, it's a pathway. It's not a destination. It's a means to an end, death is, for the believer. Um, that's why we shouldn't fear it. Finally, though, for the believer, death is not the end. 
Same, same 1 Corinthians chapter 15, back up to verse 19. And let's look down through verse 26 together. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all others. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a human being. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But in this order, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come and when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, power, and authority. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. He's saying here, in Adam we all die. In Adam we all die, but in Christ we're all quickened. We're all made alive. Here's what I believe to be true. Um, and this is my belief. This, so don't, don't nail this down as a doctrinal position that you, that you have or this church has. This is mine. If you want to absorb it, you absorb it. If you want to research it and disagree with it, fine with that. Here's what I believe. I believe Adam and Eve were created never to die. I believe that the garden, all of creation, is a picture of eternity, a picture of eternity future. In fact, seven to nine times, depending on the translation, the words new heaven and new earth are mentioned in the scripture. You know what I think the earth was designed to be when it was created? Perfect. You know what happened? The enemy entered the picture. Man fell and he sinned and it was destined to die and everything started decaying after that point. I believe Adam and Eve were created with body and spirit in one. Yet when, 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 when Adam fell and, and mankind fell as a result of it, the body and spirit were separated. The physical body to die a physical death, yet the spirit to live on for eternity. That was a, that was a huge consequence. You and I are paying for it. Generation after generation of, of, of believer and unbeliever is paying for that separation, yet they were together in the garden. Body and spirit were together, designed to live eternally and designed to never die. That was a glorified picture of what God has for us after we die. Now, if, if that's true... <clears throat> If that's true, and if, if Adam's, by Adam's sin, sin entered the world and death, the scripture says, through sin, by way of sin, death as the consequence of sin. Those two entities are separated forever, the spirit and the body. Yet we, and as I, as I said earlier, if you live, if you know Jesus, you live with that constant frustration of a body that's decaying, a body that wants to please itself. A fle- and, and Paul describes this, he said, can anybody separate me from this struggle that I'm having between the flesh and the spirit? My body, my flesh wants to do this. My spirit wants to do this. That's the struggle that I face. And every believer faces that same struggle. Every believer walks through life with that same struggle of, man, if, if I could ever get over the desires of my flesh and see that it's dying and it's decaying and it's, and it's, and it's finite and I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an infinite being in, an, in a finite world, if I can see those two as separate, I can more readily win the battle against the flesh. If I see those two as connected, it's hard to win because I see myself battling against myself. No, I'm battling against the, the spiritual me is battling against the physical me. And so it's, it's a great picture of seeing those two separate. And so if, if you and I can do that in, 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 in this, you know, going back to this, our teaching last year on spiritual warfare, if you and I can see our bodies, our flesh, and our spirit as separate entities, as separate beings, we can more readily do, wage, do, do effective war against the flesh, the spirit can, and win, as opposed to 
the struggle. How do I win? How do I, how do I come out on top? How do I, how do I defeat the flesh and, 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 and the spirit in me wants this, the flesh in me wants this? How do I wage war and win against the flesh? And it's impossible if you see them as connected. That's, a, that's probably the most pivotal thing I could share with you today is your spirit is infinite. Your flesh isn't. It's dying and will decay and eventually die. Your spirit will live on forever either with him in his presence in a glorified state or apart from him eventually in the lake of fire. I don't know what kind of picture that paints for you, um, but it's a stark one for an unbeliever. It's a stark one for a person who don't know Christ. That's the truth of the scripture. But for you and I who know him, death should be no intimidation to us. It should be no, no level of anxiety for us because why? It's a pathway. It's a passage. It's a transition from this to this, from death to life, from worry to worry-free, from pain to no more pain, from tears to no more tears, from you fill in the blank, from whatever you're experiencing now in this finite place to infinitely perfect and infinitely designed to live forever. So if, if, if your picture, of, and my picture as believers, of death changes, you know what ought to change with it? The sense of, of, of devalue that we, that we, we give it. I get, or, or, devalue is not a good word. The less sense of, of threat we allow it to become to us. The, the less sense of, of anxiety that we allow it to become to us. Now, now, as I said, we're not going out looking to die tomorrow. And we're not welcoming cancer. We're not welcoming a, a, you know, a, 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 somebody holding us up and shooting us in the head. We're, none of us are seeking those kind of things, but those things aren't threats to us anymore if we realize that death is a portal to, to what we were designed and destined to be. Apart from that, though, it's, it's, a, it's a bleak picture. And just as I said at the beginning, you can't, we, a person shouldn't look at death through, through a common lens. All of culture shouldn't look at death through a common lens because it's drastically different for those who know Jesus and those who don't. So, a couple, couple of obvious truths here and then a couple of verses and we'll finish up. And that's this. Most unbelievers live in fear of death, and understandably so. Um, it is, and some of you have experienced this as well, not just, not just me, but I've experienced it a number of times. You've, you've been to, to funeral services or, or, or gr- services of grief or, or, or celebration or whatever they want to call them. You've been to services where people have died, and either A, people were confident they didn't know Christ, or B, uh, there were some real questions there. And you've sensed the anxiety in those kinds of environments. You've sensed the sense of wonder, the sense of, well, I hope things are okay. In fact, I've heard pastors say that at funerals. I hope things are okay. You know, I hope, I hope they knew Jesus. And I hope, I hope things with them now are... And, and you've also been to, to funeral services where the person had an obvious faith, and most of the people are at that service because of their obvious faith. And so they're at this service as, as, as basically the, to celebrate this transition, this portal, this pathway, and that's what the, that's what the service is about. And there's this sense of, of almost <laughs> envy, you know. There, it's almost a sense of, man, this is, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I'm not looking forward to this tomorrow, but, but man, I hope my transition is like this. I hope, I hope there can be a sense of celebration when I go to be with Jesus that, Sure, people behind my family will, will miss me, and, and there'll be some grief. And grief is a natural part of life because we're physical, we're human, and we grieve. But I hope there can be this sense of, and I hope you say this about yourself, there can be this sense of when I go and, and I make this transition, this pathway this, from this to this, 
And in this passage, and, and, I, and, I, and I walk through this portal, I, I hope there can be this sense of, it's coronation day, it's graduation day, it's celebration day. You know, let's turn the tassel. Now, I've, I've, I've become who I was designed and destined to be. And this person on earth was not that person. And I frustrated him. And I, and I, did, I did war against him all the time. And, and now I'm who I was designed and destined. I hope we can celebrate that for each other. You and I have been to, to contrasting services like that probably before. And what a sad picture it is to walk away from an uncertain service about uncertain circumstances with an uncertain person, isn't it? And where our mind goes today as, you, as you're hearing this story about physical death and spiritual death and the second death, those, like, those kind of individuals, you think, could I have done something? Could I have said something? Could I have been a greater impact? Could I have been a greater witness? Could I have, been a, could I, could I have influenced more? And those are great questions to ask because the answer is the consequences are stark for a person who dies without Christ. And they're incredible for a person who does die with him. So the stark contrast between these two worlds and these two eternities should stir us to look at death differently. Not see it as a threat for ourselves, but see it as a great consequence for those around us who don't know Christ or, or we don't know whether they do or not. And boy, we ought to find that out. Um, unbelievers live with many of them with fear, and understandably so, because that's, this is as good as it gets. This is the best they have to face. But a believer who lives in fear, either A, doesn't understand what death is about, meaning that they don't understand it's a pathway, it's a passage, it's a portal, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a transitional process, it's a step, it's a coronation, it's a graduation. They don't understand what death is about, A, or B, they're choosing to believe the lie that death is the end, that this is it. There's nothing after death. Or, you know, that, that my, my relationship with him gets me to heaven, but there's no sense of, of what happens then. What's, what's, and if you understand what you, were des, what you were destined and designed for, the infinite, we get a greater picture of, of these, both of these stark contrasts. John eleven twenty five and 26 says this. <coughs> you know this story. Jesus was, was close friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. In fact, stayed at their home in Bethany uh, often. And so they, they, they knew each other probably as well, if not better, than, than Jesus knew some of the disciples. They were very close friends. Shared meals together, shared life together. You know the story of Lazarus' death, and Mary and Martha sends, to Je- sends a messenger to Jesus to say, could you come? He's, he's sick, sick unto death. In, that, in other words, he's about to die, and there's really no hope. Could you come? And Jesus doesn't get there until three days later, and you know the story. Um, and she, she, Mary's talking to him in, in this passage and, and said, you know, if only you could have been here. I know if, I know if only you could have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And here's what Jesus says to her. He said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And watch this. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I can see him looking into her eyes and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And she was probably thinking, is he talking to me or is he talking about Lazarus? Because Lazarus is dead. <laughs> he's in the tomb. And he was, he was, you guys were close and he's still in the, you know, are you talking to me? You're talking about him. And the answer to that is yes. <laughs> he was talking to her and he was talking about him because he knew the end of the story is he's going to be alive in a few minutes. I'm going to show you what life is. I'm going to show you that I hold the power of the keys of death in just a few minutes. He's going to be alive. But I want you to, I'm looking into your eye too to tell you, you live and believe in me, you'll never die. Yeah, you, you, your, your, your body will waste away and decay and it'll, it'll be put in the ground. 
But your spirit is the part where life gives. Your spirit is the part that gives life to the, to the body, to the flesh. That's never going to die. And if you live and believe in me, that will never die. It will live forever. It'll live forever, not only it was, as it was destined and designed to, but in my presence, in the presence of a holy God. Well, the end of that story is he goes out and raises Lazarus from the dead. You know the end of the story. And I think the end of the story is she finally gets it. I think she, she sees <laughs> he was talking about Lazarus and me too. Because if you know him, you never die. If you know him, you live forever. Um, death should be no threat to you and I. In fact, hospital beds, funeral homes should, should be something we don't dread either being in or going to or whatever. Why? If we know him now, if we know him, there, those things are no threat to us. But if we don't, and we have friends who don't and family who don't, well, those are dreadful places. Those are dreadful places to visit, and, and understandably so. So how much more important is it for you and I to share the infinite with a person who doesn't know infinite yet? To share this understanding that, that, that death is no threat when you know Christ because you live forever. To share the picture of well, the consequences, the wages of sin is death, and the consequences, the, 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 the cost, those wages are serious, serious wages. Not only do we physically die, we spiritually die, and, 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 and we're praying for this, the end of the spiritual death, but it never comes. And not only do we physically die and spiritually die, we're, we're cast into the lake of fire, and it, and it burns, and there's, there's, there's gnashing of teeth and weeping, and, and that's a picture I don't want you to go to. That's a picture I don't want you to walk, but it, it's a real place. There are churches today who don't believe that. There are churches today where you'll hear those are mythical things. Those are just stories. Those are, those are just, I'm going to tell you, it's true. It's a, the abyss, the lake of fire is a real place with real fire and real people. And it's eternal. And the consequences are severe. And so if you know people that don't know him, boy, make sure they know him. Or at least make sure as, as far as it depends on you, you've asked if they know him at least. And, and if God places you places them on your heart to do more than that, invest in relationship and, and prayer at a deeper level. But boy, find out. Find out because the consequences are tremendous and eternal, never to, never to turn around. Well, I hope as we've walked through these weeks of fear and, and, and the majority of our culture, in fact, the majority of Christians fear death. They're not excited about it. <laughs> they don't see what, what the Scripture describes it to be. If they did, I think they would think differently about it. So I hope today you leave if, if you had some, some fear or anxiety about death. I hope you leave with a greater sense of confidence about it. Yet, I hope you leave with a greater sense of urgency to share with folks who don't know him. And I hope as, as we walk through a bunch of these fears, natural disaster, failure, rejection, all of these, um, and, and we're, we're going to wind up next week with commitment, the fear of commitment. Um, well, that's rampant in our culture. Uh, it's rampant in the kingdom even. And so... I hope as, as we, we kind of wrap this up that you're, you're starting to come to grips with, you know what? Fear is, and, 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 and as, as I've said this over and over and over again, it's true. I, I, I said it more, more succinct in, in the first couple of weeks. But it's the enemy, that, it's, the, it's the, the tool the enemy uses against us. If he can keep us intimidated, if he can keep us in worry, if he can keep us in fear, he's got us exactly where he wants us. Why? Because you and I are living intimidated, fearful, anxious lives. Not lives with abandonment. Not lives that doesn't care. Not lives that, that are not concerned about the consequences. Why? Because the consequences of death is I'm with him. 
And the consequences of separation from here is, is, is I'm glorified with him. I'm in his presence. So as we've walked through these fears, I hope, you, I hope you're coming to grips with, and hopefully I hope you've you got some scriptural ammunition for one, but I hope you're coming to grips with the fact that this is, this is the enemy. This is the enemy's work. This, in fact, I didn't think up fear. <laughs> I didn't think up worry. I didn't think up anxiety. He did. He designed it. He's the source of it. He's the author of it. And if I'm to defeat it, I'm to defeat him. If I'm to conquer it, I'm to conquer him. And so as we've, as we've addressed some of these things and as, as we've looked at over and over these passages in Isaiah 46, he says to us in both of those passages, and I've reminded you of it every week, and it's, the same is true with death. I've got you, and I've got this. I, that's my paraphrase of those two passages. I've got you. I've got your situation. I've got your circumstances. I've got your health. I've got your finances. I've got your relationships. And I've got, I've got this too. I've got your situation, and I've got you. I always have. I always will. I'm not going anywhere. I've got it. Can that be trusted? Do we live like that? Well, I hope we do. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.